Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouGivert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as mostly, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. I know, <laughs> not, as always, not as always, and this is episode 176 with Julie Jarnigan. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? How's everybody doing? Doing good. I'm getting over a cold, so I oh, sound kind of, st- and it's really just a cold anymore. People don't believe you. I, you it's can. just a cold. <laughs> Allergies aren't a thing anymore, like yeah. a cold, like the flu. It's, yeah, someone coughs in public and you, you're like, what are you doing right. over here? Yeah, <laughs> like you should be home 10 days. I'll see you later, 14, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Jen Barkin was supposed to join us, but, you know, the online sales portion of our, our company is just too busy. To come on the old podcast. Oh man, they are they are busy. Uh, we kind of been joking. It's it seems like it's budgeting season right now, and yeah, just a lot of builders reaching out and saying, "Hey, we need to talk uh, about starting up working with us or, or getting more involved." Or so we'll we'll have Jen on. Don't worry, but but you're gonna have to wait a little bit longer to hear from her. We've got a whole bunch of stuff queued up for that, so we may we may not need a single news article the next time she gets yeah. here. Yeah, that's fine. That's good. Uh, the Starbucks holiday cups are out. It's official. Julie, you tweeted Exciting. that you heard a, a Christmas song on the radio. So the station that's the Christmas station has already turned over to the Christmas station. Like I thought that happened nice. after Thanksgiving that it went nah. changed over, but it's officially. And so the kids and I listen to Christmas music on the way to school now in the mornings. My husband hates it. He oh, hates geez. us celebrating early, but yeah, the earlier, the better. I think it's because there's an end to it. Like. December 26th, like, okay, it's done. And so it's like, let's have it as much as we can, the way the, my interpretation of it. We're yeah. just not sure what we're going to, we're going to be very festival, fest, man. <laughs> First of all, I was out, Festive. I was out sick last week, folks. I was on some medication that didn't make it safe to be on the podcast. Who knows what I would have said. <laughs> I like there, festival. That's, a, that's, a, yeah. that's a new fun word. Yeah. We're not sure how festival will be in the Oakley household because we're supposed <laughs> to move on December 15th. And mm. so do you set up the tree and just not put decorations on it like other than lights and then decorate it when you move? I think while, while your house is being built, you should put the lights in that are in the soffits that you could change color while, while you're not living there. And then you'd have your Christmas lights done hmm. all the, every year. That's a good idea. I've seen those, they, they kind of go with that attached underneath and they're led. They're pretty cool. I think they're pricey, but you're done. And then they look nice. You could, you know, accent your house and everything. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to check into that. But, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of all for starting the holidays early because that's my vote is just let's just do it and then be done on December 15th when we move <laughs> <laughs> and just leave it all in storage for the next year. We'll, we'll move it this our, year. Our inflatable star, Christmas inflatable that we bought last year, we'll still be able to throw that out in front. But we don't have neighbors really anymore. So it's very so on, on seven acres. It's like our own little redneck Winter. Christmas decoration. Like, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> are we allowed to say that anymore? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. All right, You're let's hop acres. over into story time. <laughs> and Julie, what do you got for us? Oh, copywriting fun. So I had a builder, and I may have mentioned this part before, that had been shopping for refrigerators, a marketer. And she was like, it inspired me because if they could do such a good job, like have such 
vivid descriptions of a refrigerator, then I can do a better job on my community Mm. descriptions. And it made me think of, so my husband works in media in the gun industry, so hunting, things like that. But he used to work in PR and his biggest client was fishing. And I remember him coming home one day and saying, I had to write a press release today on a bucket. Like there was a new fishing bucket (laughs) released. And he was like, somehow I had to have however many words which what that was in the day when there was a press release for everything. But it just makes me think of, we do have so much to talk about, you know, in a floor plan or especially a community and a location, the amenities, what's going to be in it. And I do notice that a lot of builders don't have much in their descriptions and there's a lot of good reasons for it. Not only SEO, but you know, if a, if a, home buyers that far down on your site and wanting to read a community description, they're pretty invested at this point because nobody Mm -hmm. reads a community description just for the heck of it because it's fun. So as things slow down the end of the year, you know, November, December gets a little quieter. You might have a moment, might be a good time to think about some things like some copywriting and descriptions on your website. And I know some people don't love it. Like I I like writing. And so I think it's fun. Some people don't. But one thing I was thinking, I was trying to think kind of some ideas for if you need help with ideas, because if you have, you know, 20, 50, however many communities you have coming up with things, like offer your salespeople a Starbucks gift, gift card. If they'll give you 20 things they love about the community and they can be outside of the box. You know, it's five minutes from Mm -hmm. Chick-fil-A. It's, we have great sunsets because the pond is facing, you know, whatever it is, come up with 20 Everyone gets a free fish bucket in this community. (laughs) Exactly. Give away some fish buckets. And um, anyway, it's a good way to get you started because sometimes starting from a blank page or the three lines you have there is tough. So just thinking outside the box. What I like too is taking the top 20 and whittling it down to what you feel like are the best five and just make Mm -hmm. a a blog post about the top five reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. Then you have more content just off of that. So anyway, end of the year, I know it's busy, but sometimes it, it quiets down between Christmas and New Year's or around Thanksgiving break. Yeah. In our real lives, we have spring cleaning, but in marketers lives, it tends to be winter cleaning because that's when you've got usually a chance to catch your breath and, uh, and focus on that stuff. I was just on a call with someone earlier and they were um, thinking to themselves out loud with me. And I was like, that's absolutely true. Not just for you, for everyone is winter. Another winter cleaning item is your Google, my business, which just changed its name, which we're talking about, but Mm -hmm. Google, my business listing information and, and the content that's on that too, because it is getting a lot of, a lot of attention too. Awesome. Andrew, what do you got? Definitely. Yeah, we have like the same um, topic here, Julie, which I think is, which is funny, but mine's mine's inspired by um, an acquaintance of mine. I've mentioned them on the podcast a few times. They created a video for a developer, but then also made a video for their own YouTube channel, which is what I shared in the Market Proof Marketing Group um, that I I gave some suggestions over to them after watching it. But I think for the most part, the goal of it, and it, it worked on me, it was like trickery was like, and I don't know if it was a goal that they wanted for me other than for their side is to get views, all this stuff, but like, oh, this is kind of like influenced me and inspired me to want more out of a community. Like, cause our community here is just 24 houses and we have a gate and that's it. The community they visited is Epperson, which is North from here met by Metro places. There's a giant crystal lagoon. It's like eight acres. You could take your golf cart, leave your house, be at the lagoon, which is like a fake beach thing. 
you could order drinks, you could order dinner. Like it's like you're on vacation 24 seven essentially is what the community promises. I'm like, if they, people who aren't even in the industry could inspire me, motivate me, create some excitement for me to go, Oh, like, hmm, let me look at those houses. Okay. It's farther out from town. We're in town. So like our values are, are different. Like we can make that happen. Other, It's not going to happen because we'd have to like uproot our whole life. Family's five minutes around the corner. But I'm like, oh, there is power in video. There's power in, like Julie's talking about, you can make someone feel something, make someone be motivated, make someone exciting. So I think we we often forget the person on the other end, their individual on the other end, like, oh, they're going to get super excited about like, oh, it's 545. The kids got, they're done with their homework, whatever. Like, what do we do? oh, we could be doing these things. And this is why you'd want to move to that community and how you say it and the pictures you use and all that stuff will make an impact because they're envisioning their lives there. And I think to me, I think we forget it, or maybe I'm not close enough to it. And I assume everyone forgets. Oh, look, they put it on their developer site, which is interesting. Um, yeah. And I mean, this community is definitely like a unicorn of a community. I think Michael Phelps was at the grand opening for the, that I don't, it's, a, it's really a giant pool of sand. They call it Crystal <laughs> Lagoon. I don't know. I think there's like 10 of them in the world, but it's it's a giant community. I think there's five different builders in there, which I'm not going to call the builder out, but there is one builder that was featured in the video. I really like their homes. Their site has been down for like a week and a half. Like it'll come up, it'll go mm -hmm. down. Hmm. Um, I try to find them on LinkedIn. I'm like, there's like, I found the owner, but like the, his profile's not really filled out. So I'm like, he's not active. So I might try harder because I feel bad, but something's messed up. I can't get to their site because I wanted to look at the floor plans, but yeah, it just it made me excited for like people. You can make someone excited to do something, live in a community versus just like, this is a community with amenities, walking trails, clubhouse, pool, resort style, da, 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 da. Like you could go deeper than that, which I think is what both Julie and I are saying the same thing. Like go deeper, make someone get, get excited. Yeah. The thing I always go back to as an example, because I think a lot of people could relate is House Hunters, the show is extremely formulaic. It touches on the high points of touring a house. You think about the amount of time that per home that they're showing someone. It not including like reshowing the same thing or cutting to B roll. It's yeah. like maybe three and a half minutes per house. Mm-hmm. They're just catching the highlights. They're telling a very formulaic story over and over and over and over again. And it's extremely popular, especially with people who are looking to move or have recently moved or are thinking about moving. Yeah. And, and that's well, the last um, keynote that I gave. I, I tend to, my, my new, one of my favorite ways to tease people now is if I hear someone talking about moving, then I'll say, hey, you know, I can, I can do a magic trick. And they're like, what? I'm like, HGTV is on in your house a lot, isn't it? Like, in the corner, just kind of playing in the background, like, yeah, how'd you know? I was like, well, you said you were thinking about moving and just, but did you know, and this is my follow-up now that I've been trying uh, on my stand-up routine is, I said, did you know that there was uh, an HGTV channel that's just based on um, homes in Columbus, Ohio? And they're like, what the heck? Are, really? Where is it? I'm I like, need no, it. No, there isn't, but there should be because if you're a builder that's doing yeah. more than 200 homes a year, you have no reason not to have similarly formulaic, but still impactful content, except for I the fact that we're bored and we think that no one else would want to want to see our boring people homes. We'll get that. I think once you get the formula down, same for writing and video, then the ease of making the video and writing is so much easier, but it's that initial resistance to like, oh gosh, this is a big project. But if you 
I think if you take take your favorite HGTV show or what you think is successful and just break it down like, oh, they got the intro and then they have the introduction of the couple or the person and then they do the exterior shots and they have some B-roll. You're like, oh, this is like, yep, this is all I need. Now I just need to get someone to do it or I'd learn how to do it myself, whatever the, whatever it may be. It's yeah. not terribly I think, complicated. And I think the analogy with the video that you've posted in the Facebook group is um, like... Anytime you start a new series, my wife loves her, her favorite thing about being married to me, apparently, is simply that she wants to watch a, a show that has lots of episodes uh, on Netflix or whatever. And so mm -hmm. if we don't have something, she's all like on the hunt nonstop for what else are we going to start watching for the next week or several months. And the pilot episode is always interesting how it's going to hit you. Yeah. And because I've. I don't cruise. I don't know them. I, I've never watched cruise related content. To me, it felt very much like I was watching, I was trying to absorb because it, it wasn't just like, I don't like it. It's, it just didn't speak to me in the same way as it spoke to you, but because you're already, you're like on season four when it comes to these Yeah, uh, I'm familiar influencers. with them. Whereas to me, I was like, yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm watching a pilot and I'm just not invested. And so I don't, Yeah. there, there were definitely good shots in it, but the, it didn't hit me in the same way. And I think that's, and I'm local to the community. So I'm like, oh, that's oh true. yeah, like, yeah. I'm an hour away. Like I know about it. And mm -hmm. I think that that definitely helped. But the um, takeaway there is if everyone just stopped when their when their pilot episode wasn't successful, we wouldn't have most of the series that we love today. And so yeah. it, it's not just the repetition. It's pushing through what what Seth um, Godin calls the dip of I made this thing and only 30 people watched it. I know. That's why you go do it again. Like, yeah, I was. You got to push through. This is a perfect timing. I, I'm not a quote person, but I was watching, I was bored and somehow I got onto like Ted talks, which like, it took me like 10 minutes to find <laughs> Did one. you go back in time, like four years ago? I went, I went to Ted talks that and I, just sort, I sorted by, um, most viewed and there's a short one that match. I think I've talked about this. Like I will find something that matches the length of drive I'm having. So this was like six <laughs> minutes. And so I'm like, I just want to find something that I could have the complete thought of the video on. So this was six minutes long and there's a part in there. I'm like, Ooh, that's strong. It was about grit and like how IQ is not the determining factor of success or intelligence or for, of a student like education. And the big thing that she had was this thought of, and I wrote it down, I put on a note on my phone was failure is not a permanent condition. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I thought about it. Like after the video was over, then coming back to the house, I'm like, Oh, that's right. Like how many times, learning something in my life, like especially tech related. Oh my goodness. Like you have to fail. Like there's no, like it has to happen. Like you're in Adobe Premiere learning video editing or you're in Google ads, Google ad editor, something will break. If that's your permanent condition, then you move on to something else. But if you're like, that's not permanent failure is just part of the process, which is what I'm getting from, from you, Kevin, like pilot episode, like if it was terrible, like you either accept it was terrible and you don't do anything about it. Or you go like, Oh, that's just part of that's going to be hard. The first one's going to be hard. This way it's going to be. Well, on. and and I know we got lots of other stuff to talk about, so we don't have to stick here real long. First, I need to know, Julie, do you watch TED Talks still? I haven't watched one in a long time. It's been years I for me. To, I like, I, it's been years. I feel like they watered down their brand when they started allowing like every individual yeah. village to have their own yep. TED X, TED RX, TED Z, YX. They're low quality. They're terrible. Yeah. I can needs to just be Ted. Something like, else to learn there. But yeah, I, mean, I think true. it was uh, Reed Hastings quote who said, uh, if you're not embarrassed by your initial products offering, you're too too late or too slow. And that's not <laughs> something that we would recommend doing in home building or development because that's, that's a big whoops 
Uh, <laughs> but when it comes to marketing in particular, when you're yeah. testing things, that is that is a pretty good rule. Most yeah, of copy. The if you're writing copy, the first one. Yeah. If the first one's perfect and 10 out of 10, like, I don't, I don't even know. Is that even possible? Who knows? Yeah. All right. Okay. My, uh, my story time is ripped from uh, a, a coaching strategy call with one of our builders who it was just a perfect microcosm of what we've been saying is happening. And um, so this is a builder who has a 55 plus age restricted community, not age targeted, but age restricted. And on different calls in the past, I would say, hey, how's the list looking? And what's the quality look like? Oh my gosh, we're, we have so much interest. We're, we're good here. A similar uh, age targeted community, but same product uh, is sold out. There's, this is the replacement. It's, it's everyone, everyone's curious about it. And they got hit by, again, kind of everything that we're seeing right now, which again is one, that the number of people on your list in a, in a VIP scenario is irrelevant right now, unless you have engaged with them earlier in the process to the point where you're essentially re-rating them beyond something that says they're on the list. So at the time, their online salesperson was overwhelmed with other activities and they're like, that's okay, this is coming soon, you don't need to worry about it. Uh, then they, they fell in love with the idea of big numbers we're okay taking their foot off the gas a little bit. And so ultimately when they launched, they realized that the, the kind of the final thing that we see a lot is everyone feels like they need to be on a list. So they, they pivoted a couple of weeks beforehand and started changing everything to say age restricted, more um, front and center to make sure hopefully that people were, were the right age group. It didn't matter. People were still signing up because <laughs> people feel like they have to be on every list. If you're, if you're in the market to buy a house, you don't want to, there's no reason to only pick the one or two communities to be notified about what's going on and have an opportunity to raise your hand and say, I'd like one. And so all those things together, was just kind of an interesting, for, that, for them, it was, it was hopefully a pivot of, hmm, we're going we're gonna to listen to Kevin's recommendations a little more closely on the next one. But that idea of, even when you say, you must be over 55, at that point, still having a large number of people signing up who are under 55, not from ads, but just from organic traffic to the site, them seeing the dot on the map, ooh, I'd like to live there, and, and a potential price point. And they're like, I don't, whatever that says there, it doesn't matter, Just sign up. Like, I wanna know, I wanna know more. So make sure you're getting your online salespeople or whoever is getting these leads doing more proactive, uh, non-automated connection especially in a 55 plus scenario because those people require more of it. Um, so I just thought that was a good, good reminder for everyone. All right, moving on to the news. To the news, here we go. First up, and this blew my mind. I got off a coaching call, the last one of the day, at like 4.30, and the news had just broke. And like, you know, that feeling of the adrenaline just kind of going through your body. And I was like, what? is this. This is for you. <laughs> From CNBC.com, Zillow says it's closing home buying business, cutting 25% of workforce, earnings miss estimates. It's sh shutting down Zillow offers, which competes with Open, open Door. It's cutting 25%, uh, as we said before, of its workforce, estimated roughly around 2,000 people. And um, pr pretty abrupt change. There, we're going to go through another article here in a minute, but just you guys remember your initial reactions? It was a couple of days ago now, but 
Yeah, I think I told you that um, I thought, oh, yeah, this well, is good. surely, surely um, Kevin will have an explanation for that. Because usually if we post something about people are saying Zillow's doing this or this is happening, usually Kevin kind of has a pulse on, you know, knows the pulse of what's going on. Can be like, well, here's kind of the background. Here's what's happening. I was like, surely there's more to this. Like there's an explanation that it's not as bad as it looks. And then he responded, you know, that he was like, his adrenaline was pumping from it. I was like, oh no, it really is as bad as it seems. Yeah. So right. it, it, that, oh, um, I thought maybe there was more to the story, but there's not, yeah. it's just bad. My first thought, Kevin, was when, um, when I went out there with you, was that like a year and a half, two, no, no more than two years ago, pre, pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And like, it was just still kind of in its infancy, but there was still like the whole giant room they were doing something for, like we went to the different floors in the building. I'm like, that's a lot of people. And like, that was, I don't know how many people were in the room at the time that were on. Yeah, it was probably 2019, right? It had to be 2019. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, this is a lot of people, like all those people. Yeah, They were will, celebrating something, the whole, yes. the whole Zillow offers team, but it was a lot of people. I'm like, that's a lot. And then like, it's even more people now. I'm like 25%. Like that's the one, like reading a headline, like, like, oh, oh, then it's like 25%. I'm like, what? That is devastating. Um, that's crazy. That's, I'm like, that's awful. I'm like this, let's get the details on this. What happened? Yeah, it is funny just learning that, and it makes sense because that is a lot of times I try to make sure I'm, I'm well read and, and up to date on what's going on. And I, I like, I don't have other hobbies or entertainment other than when my wife makes me watch Netflix. And usually I still have my phone open looking <laughs> at and reading uh, reports of public companies like Zillow and, and trying to figure out what's going on. It was just a shock because it wasn't that long ago three months, in fact, where the CEO, Rich Barton, was saying, I've never felt better about what's going on in Zillow offers. And they have the data and they've got the the team and, and we're kind of built for this. And and so to to, to shutter um, as suddenly and quickly as, as they said, and their stock took a big hit. I, I saw somewhere that Zillow yeah. at its peak in the last 12 months was worth over $60 billion dollars. And now it's worth like 18, sub 20. That's, um, yeah. As, that's it was trading at this. last week at 105 and now it's trading at 65. Yeah. So I, I was able to scratch out. I've got a lot of writing that I had to do this week. Um, so this one is not necessarily as coherent, but I just wanted to get something out and we can just go through the bullet points. So this is from doyouconvert.com. Zillow offers what went wrong and what it means for home builders. And let's go through the main bullet points here. The first one is that iBuying is not going away. It's pretty clear from the data that Mike D and others have published, as well as their own public filings, that Zillow was consistently less profitable because they were trying to scale so quickly, most likely, or an over-reliance on their algorithm uh, and not enough human involvement. But for whatever reason, they were consistently losing significantly more money, uh, both at the top line and the bottom line, than their competitors, Opendoor and OfferPad. So iBuyers themselves, uh, some people have reached out and be like, isn't this going to, the same thing is going to happen Opendoor now, right? They're next. When are they going to shut down? It is not the same. In fact, Opendoor started um, changing the way that they were purchasing homes back in July uh, rather aggressively, whereas Zillow they really didn't make the same pivots in the process. So um, iBuying is definitely a, a growing trend or interest. Zillow mentioned in their data that only 10% of the people who got an offer accepted it. 
which is obviously a low number, and, and their goal was, hey, we're going to get our costs per home so refined due to our scale that we'll be able to get more and more of those people to say yes. Interesting. And the charts just show that didn't happen. So you remember maybe two or three years ago, we played a clip of Rich being interviewed, and he's like, my goal is to get to 5,000 homes bought and sold a month. And I believe in the, in the slew of things that came out uh, since the announcement, Rich is quoted somewhere as saying that they were going to need to get to like 30,000. And as they were scaling up, they just weren't finding the efficiencies and they weren't refining their ability to predict price into the future, which brings me to, so, so iBuying is not going away. We, we yep. would recommend that you reach out to the team at Open Door. Quick uh, thing on Open Door and Zillow. I put my, my house in Open Door and Zillow hmm. and Open Door's user experience from the consumer side like flawless. I never got a number from Zillow. And this is like, I got That's interesting. I did the same thing, I think, with OfferPad when they opened up in my market. Never never heard a word back. They said I would in a couple days. Yeah, and it's like, to me, I'm like, you give a number. Like Zillow wanted to like upload a video, which both have the like the same, it's really the same thing, except Open Door is like, here's your offer. It's, um, some people have sold cameras before. No, they haven't. <laughs> a few people have. There's one company that like you put in your stuff, they give you a number another company you have to spend your stuff and then they come back to you in two or three days with the number and then they call you on the phone they're like hey here's what we got we got your equipment here's your final number one seamless one is very popular one's not popular and that's i'm seeing the similarities between the two of just like get a number out the door on the front end and they have this great interface that you could upload more pictures you could upload more specs and your offer changes and that's what how long door. ago was that andrew that you that was like three weeks ago and i put in my grandmother's house too so it's four houses total I put in hmm. um, an open door. I was like, this is pretty cool. Open door. Like what in the world? Yeah. I think builders should reach out to open door. Um, they're clear. They were already in the lead. This is definitely going to allow them to, to go even further um, most likely. And it's just something that you want to have a connection because if, well, again, we don't want to turn this into a commercial, but it, it's a good idea. The second point of, of my article was that the Zestment doesn't own a time-traveling DeLorean. And that was just a fun headline to write, um, as, or subheading as subheadings go. But the, the problem really seems to be that Zillow's, Zillow was trying to use their Zestimate, which generally still, I'm not going to die on this hill, but it's pretty darn accurate and has gotten more accurate over time. But it's the current value of a property. And they thought they were going to be able to change or adapt that into forecasting predictably what a home would be worth three to six months in the future. So if you think they essentially would have current estimate, futures estimate, no one except for Zillow would know the futures estimate. And so they can just look at those two things, look at the arbitrage between them and say, oh, this would be a good investment. Well, that sounds well, relatively simple. And if you're a, a big tech person, maybe you get yourself to believe that. But it just hit me, like if we could predict anything accurately, yeah. over and over and over again that would happen six months in the future like that that is a time machine like you like, you wouldn't need and my thought is why do this with houses do it with currency like bitcoin like do it with I mean, whatever what you do. want yeah you like, can't houses you can't are the most predict, complicated thing and you can't predict anything with with tremendous accuracy six months in the future and be right yeah. much more than the roll of a dice yeah put yeah 800 billion in bitcoin and six months it might be well, and that's the point that Whatever. I made was, you know, the the residential real estate market in the United States is, I think, north of $33 trillion. And so the if, if people 
investors in Zillow really believed that they were going to pull this off, their stock price should have been worth more than Tesla or Apple. Like if, the, if, if they had a time machine to know exactly what was going to happen in the future. So on the one hand, it's easy to make jokes and be like, oh, technology company finds out real estate is hard. You know that. <laughs> yeah. But, but also, well, and maybe, maybe we should make excuses. It, it is hard and they probably should have realized it was harder than they, than they were giving it credit for. Um, but the lesson there is that, you know, big data alone isn't going to save you. It's not enough. Algorithms are not as smart as, as some people want to believe they are, or people are selling you on the idea that they are. Most algorithms today, unfortunately, are not, not exponentially better than a simple if-then statement or a series of if-then statements. And so, you know, it's not time to engage in autopilot yet. It's not time to, to bet the farm on something driven off of an algorithm. And ultimately, that's, that's what Rich did, as he said, it's not worth putting the whole company at risk because to scale up to 30,000 homes a month, well, well, now if the market stubs its toe, you, you got a problem, right? Yeah. And, and so that yeah, would have been, I, that, that would have wiped them out. I was going to say, my thought is, are there, like, if you're you're a real estate investor and you're doing it yourself, I think you know, like, there's not that many, quote, deals in a market. Like, is that even, like, a number that is possible? Like, if, for your margins, like, whatever acceptable margins that Zillow is looking for per year, per month, per day, like, is the, are there that many homes that will ever be for sale that will then hit those numbers? I don't know. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And, There's and only so, so much. So that's just going to pivot, I think, back to Zillow being a tech company, not a vertically integrated real estate company. Not a we're gonna we're gonna do all of the heavy lifting. To we're we're gonna find the areas where we can re continue to reduce friction, and and make a better marketplace. And the acquisition of Showing Time is an example of that. And I mean, we all know about um, you two are an enter now. Showing Time is currently a service used or potentially ready to be used by over 950,000 agents. It's a few. It's the, it's the leading showing management platform uh, in, in the industry. And so they can apply that technology and insight and the data about when people want to see homes and what homes are being shown and connect different people. And uh, there's more detail in the article that you can read through, but th basically they, they've got to find ways to shift back towards being a marketplace uh, and they still want to move beyond just selling ads, certainly. Um, but the, the, the question really is, this existential threat that Rich and the board saw from Open Door, that's still in play. And actually now their, their market caps are almost the same. A couple, couple billion off. What's, it, what's the difference of a couple billion between companies, right? And wow. Open Door seems to be continuing to gain steam. So it'll, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. But, but definitely don't count Zillow out by any means either. And then the last one, yeah, just go read this one. I'll just tease the headline. Rich Barton and conspiracy theories. There's definitely TikTok conspiracies are, are out there. <laughs> Some people are calling for, that Rich should no longer be the CEO because of the bet that he made and being so wrong about it. But this is the guy who founded Expedia, worked at Microsoft, started Zillow, started Glassdoor, I believe. I mean, I, the guy is a... He's done a few things. He's hit. He's hit quite a few, you know, walk-off home runs, mm -hmm. and everyone's going to make a mistake. So, yeah, it's been entertaining to see the realtors' reactions to it. <laughs> to oh, me, well, that's yes. what I, I've been. You know, usually you stay away from the comment section. It's been fun to go. They feel like that they have um, 
they did this <laughs> or they called it. So yeah. it's just been entertaining to watch. What? Yeah. Well, it's like in hindsight, <laughs> everybody's the most, yeah. you're the smartest person in the room. Right. You no. Know? So it's like, yeah, yeah, just settle down. I don't know why this made me think of it, but uh, Sarah Dietschy, who's a YouTuber, did an interview with Mark Zuckerberg. And the first six minutes, and it was all about the metaverse and, and meta and, and all of that, that stuff. The first six minutes, she just shows him different memes of him, like Feta with the Feta logo. <laughs> and it looks like someone has Photoshopped him standing in a, and he, she's like, how, how would you rate this meme? And he's like amazingly rolling with it. Like, he's like, oh, that's a good <laughs> okay. one. That's, that one's really funny. This one, and so he just got it. He's like, I've seen all the memes. These are all great. These are great. Okay. You should, you should check I've that seen, out. It's, of course I've seen them. Do you think with Metaverse, we could side rail for a little bit. There'll be a builder show ticket within Metaverse in five years. No. No. Guys, the Metaverse exists and it's called Roblox already. I don't know <laughs> if you know that or not. You guys are, you're laughing, but it, that company, it's a public company. probably that it, playing Roblox right now, like yeah. 30 feet from me upstairs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when, when nine, supposedly Chipotle being added into Roblox somehow brought the whole thing down for three days or crashed the system. It over the, They were so mad. They're like, Dad, check the Twitter, <laughs> check the Twitter. I'm like, do you know what Twitter is? They're like, yeah, they know, I know what Twitter is. I'm like, get out of here <laughs> yep. for the status update. From you know. uh, Next up from searchenginelang.com, Google My Business, now known as Google Business Profile. Oh my goodness. As Google migrates features to maps and search. Google is also rolling out more support for managing your business profile directly in Google search and maps. Thank the Lord, because most people, uh, not most people, many people are like, what's Google My Business? Uh, but how, I don't know what that is, but how do I change how my, how my homes show up in search, my, my communities show up in search? So what, what else we need to know about this, Andrew? It's changed its name all the time. I would, it, I would say it's not even about this. It's just that I think people just need to get more comfortable with this. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a very gray area and you don't want to touch it. And it's a pain in the butt, verifying listings, all these sorts of things. But this is a great December project. Like if you like make your listings look legit, like there are many websites. If you look at the impressions they get, like it's worth your time. To make yeah, sure well, they're, they're and they're trying to make it easier. So one of the new features is that now you can claim and verify your Google business profile directly in Google search and Google maps. Hmm. Find out. Uh, big asterisks. Yeah, we'll see if that's true. Call history is launching in the US and Canada. So you can see details yeah. of the history uh, messaging. Which I, I think they're going to try to push that more towards Google ads because then it's like, because you already have Google, my, uh, whatever that <laughs> would be called, like the <laughs> campaigns where it's like someone click, get directions. Mm -hmm. Here's your conversion all that sort of thing. So it's, it's definitely connecting revenue, making yeah. it simpler for everybody. Yep. Messaging can now be done directly from Google search as well. Mm. And message read receipts can be controlled in Google search and maps. So yeah, it's kind of like Google search console. And a couple of years ago, the Facebook business manager, you know, I would be like, yeah. do you have a business manager set up in wow. Facebook? Like, no, what's that? Um, you just got to get in there, make sure you're comfortable with it. And with these changes, and I think it is a good challenge to make and that's uh, November, December, the months where you really dive in. Definitely there. an in-house thing versus sending that out somewhere, unless you're gigantic and they might have a service help you out with it. Yeah, there are services, but again, companies where it's like white glove service on it, I don't, I think there's enough tools to help you manage it um, Yeah. without needing to, to pay. I think Moz has a nice one. Um, that's priced well. Yeah, there, there's, there's several out there. We did a roundup once, maybe we should, Next episode, bring that back and give people the, the updated recommendation list. But 
Um, last up from usatoday.com and talking tech, Facebook is shuttering its facial recognition system. What is this all about? This will be, if you have seen it where it's like, you might be in this photo, those sorts of things will be gone, which I think is a great idea. But the downside to this, um, from what I understand, is if you um, are blind, you would previously have Andrew Peak is in this photo. Andrew Peak might be in this photo. Then that's the disadvantage. But there's still the other, like, um, what does Zillow call their product? Their tool where it could read a kitchen and it's like granite countertops. Yeah, computer, computer visioning. Computer visioning. You know, Instagram, Facebook, they have that same type of thing. That is still in place. They're just limiting the facial side. Um, even though they still strongly believe in facial recognition and it's, it's usefulness as far as you need to verify your identity, but then that's in select circumstances versus it being applied everywhere and kind of done all over the place, even though you have to opt into it, I believe previously, or you opt out of it. One of the two probably depends on the timeline. Um, but the, yeah, the official article is, is very in depth and goes over every single change, but that's the big one is they're just, it's a privacy concern. Now, do we think that they're going to actually stop doing this or they're just going to stop showing it to anything public facing? I think that they'll stop doing anything publicly with it, but I think it's still there. Yeah, I think the article even said that they're not saying they won't ever use that technology. In the, it's, they're not getting rid of the technology. They're just turning this off for now and get getting rid of some of that data that they already have, the templates that are in there, which I even question whether they're really like delete, really getting rid of all that data that's already in there, all the face templates. I feel like it's like they're turning the breaker mm. off. They're not disconnecting the wires and like getting rid of everything. Like Which honestly, there. I don't think is so bad. Sometimes with this technology stuff, it's like you just need them to slow down so that mm. everything can catch up as far as what's the right thing to do. And if it needs regulation, it needs rules around it. Sometimes they do need to put the brakes on so yeah. everybody can catch up and see what's appropriate yeah. and what's not. So there's um, a... There's a Netflix documentary I think I mentioned before called Coded Bias, and it's about facial recognition and how there is bias built into it mm -hmm. unknowingly um, for different people types and everything. And so not that Facebook was having this issue, but just the, I think that's why Facebook made this change because of the overall systemic society issue. No, I think Facebook is just trying to take a bath in They're any way be, possible and yes, just wipe off the, the scum from, the, from its yeah. skin right now and try to appear as clean as possible. I think it's interesting that they're saying that even the automatic alt text will no longer put people's names in the image. That that just generally does seem like a privacy slash potential safety issue in certain mm -hmm. situations. You think about someone who's um, maybe being abused or or for for a good reason, kind of on the yeah. on the run or trying to not mm -hmm. be found um, easily. And they get tagged in someone else's photo that they didn't like not manually tagged, but like Facebook put their name on there. Right. Yeah. Right. And then the third party saw it and you're connected. They to are it. saying they're going to delete more than a billion people's individual facial recognition template. But again, yes. at this Do point, we think they will. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, and has the, has, have, if they've <laughs> deleted for how from, from Facebook, the app being able to use it or, or meta, the parent company is still having it in some form, you know, so it, yeah. it doesn't really matter. I think it's interesting. They said, we're shutting down the face recognition system on Facebook. Not on Meta, but not right now. Now there's a whole nother reason for having. A, I feel like Meta is the Matrix. Are we like, going to call them that? Are we committed to calling them Meta? We're we just going to call them Facebook for a while. Yeah, we'll call it Facebook. It's like Alphabet. Facebook. We don't use Alphabet for Google. That's right. 
So next time we're going to talk all about budgets and preparing for 2022 is kind of Ooh. a key part of our podcast. So I want to tease out for the question of the week in comparison to 2021. And I, yes, we do have lots of budget related <laughs> question of the week over the years. Um, but this one I think is going to be really interesting based upon the conversations I've been having with our builders. What percentage increase or decrease do you anticipate having on your digital ad spend in 2022 compared to this year? So just Facebook ads, just Google ads. And just Facebook, send Google, syndication, display, gotcha. uh, et cetera. Distributing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, and just to, for those of you listening, remember uh, the ad doctor is saying 20 to 30% increase in costs likely next yeah. year. So even we if you want to stay the same, if you stay, if your ad spend stays the same, you're going to get 20 to 30% less from those channels, uh, potentially as costs so. rise. Although I hope I'm wrong. Like, yeah, that'd be nice. I hope I'm wrong in the, the other direction, not the, not like, oh, it's well, 60. Everyone will buy you a fruitcake if you're wrong. There you so go. They'll have, they'll have uh, the extra money to buy you. Donuts, <laughs> cookies, brownies, things like that. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this week for articles blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.